Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Tuesday. What's happening? And shout to our family in Toronto. Good morning, Toronto. Okay, I was waiting to hear it. I was about to get on somebody's ass. There you Waiting go. Waiting to hear it. Absolutely. Happy to, to hear that. What's happening, T-Dot? What's going on? Well, good morning. Another day. It's Tuesday. Yeah, mm-hmm. another day. And I'm very, very, very tired of uh, quarantine radio. Okay? I can see why Tory Lane stopped doing it so soon. Right? <laughs> I, am, I am over quarantine radio. I am ready to be back in the studio. You hear me? Okay? I'm yeah, tired, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen for another I'm 30 days, I'm thinking. Assuming. Well, today is also primary... Today is also primary elections happening, so make sure you go out and vote if you're in Georgia, Nevada, North Dakota, South Carolina, and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. It is. I got my guy, uh, Jamie Harrison, um, zooming in today because uh, he's running for a Senate seat in South Carolina trying to throne Lindsay Ladybug Graham, okay? Mm-hmm. So Jamie will be calling in, um, zooming in sometime this morning. I'm okay. exhausted by Zoom, too. Me, Jesus too. Christ, I'm, I'm zoomed out. Zoom. Yeah, me, too. I figured out why, too, though, because it was like when you're sitting in front of the Zoom, it's like you you, you got to be on. It's not like when you're in a meeting and you're feeding off the energy of a person. You know, human intera- human human interaction is important. When you're on Zoom, it's just like you're just staring at the screen. After a while, it just it just takes a lot out of you, bro. After, I don't need an hour-long Zoom call. Give me 10 minutes and I'm good. Yeah, I have to agree with you, brother. I'm tired of Zoom calls. I'm tired... I'm sorry, I, I, I really like to see you guys. I like to be in the studio. I love to see the energy. I like my driving in the morning. But, hey, we're alive. We're okay. We're healthy. That's the most important thing. We're with family. Very true. I'm tired Very of having true. to clean my house all the time. I feel like the more I'm home, the messier my house gets. But you by yourself. I feel, like, I feel like every single day. Yeah, but now I have to cook every day, three times a day. I'm always cleaning up. I use the dishwasher every day. And then there's clothes everywhere. It just feels like... It's a lot when you're because usually I'm not home that much, so I'm in and out, in and out. But now it's like yesterday I did something. I used a Swiffer for the first time and I didn't realize that they mm-hmm. use batteries because I usually use a regular mop. I never used a Swiffer before, but I was, you know, I was out shopping. I was like, let me try this Swiffer. So I didn't realize it uses batteries until I was breaking down the box to, to put out with the recycling. And I was like, oh, this is how this thing works. I was just pushing it on the floor, not knowing what I was doing. But it's actually well, if, pretty good. Well, if you like a real challenge, you can come over here, and I got five kids, and, and you think your mess is crazy. You you follow these five kids. These five kids are crazy. They eat you like there's no tomorrow. You need to give them no some tomorrow. chores. I, I, I did that. I, I give them all chores. They all got chores. <laughs> they all have chores. They all have responsibilities that they have to do. And if not, I wake them up at 5 o'clock in the morning and make them do it at 5 in the morning. 
I just don't know where all this stuff comes from all the time. I'm like, I clean. I, I promise you every single day. And I'm the type of person I can't go to bed if my house is messy. So every single day. All right. Well, let's get the show cracking. Right? Jalen and Jacoby will be joining us, of course, from ESPN. Jalen Rose, David Jacoby. We'll be kicking it with them this morning. And mm-hmm. also, as Charlemagne said, uh, Lindsey uh, Grammer from uh, U.S. Senate in South no, Carolina. Ain't no, ain't no Lindsey Graham. Jamie Harrison is joining us, man. Oh, I don't know why. He's running against Lindsey Graham. Lindsay Graham. My bad. I'm yeah. running against Lindsey Graham. Jamie Harrison will be joining us this morning as well. All right. Yes. Well, let's get the show cracking. Front page news. What are we talking about? Well, let's talk about the Democrats have unveiled a police reform bill, and that bill would ban chokeholds and no-knock warrants, and we'll tell you other things. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha God. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, congressional Democrats have put out this bill. It's called the Justice and Policy Act. And this bill would ban chokeholds like the one that was used by the former police officers in the death of George Floyd last month, as well as banning no-knock warrants in drug cases like the one that was used in the incident that led to Breonna Taylor getting killed in Louisville, Kentucky back in March. The legislation has more than 200 Democratic co-sponsors in the House and the Senate, and it would also require local police departments to send data on the use of force to the federal government. Also, it would create a grant program that would allow state attorney generals to create an independent process to investigate misconduct or excessive use of force. And the bill would make it easier for people to recover damages when police departments violate their civil rights. And this is also the bill that would make lynching a federal hate crime for the first time. And that's crazy that they even uh, in 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 there fighting over goddamn whether or not lynching should be made a, a, a hate crime. Grand Paul from Kentucky should be ashamed of himself. He's holding that up. But everything you just said is all that matters, man. Policies, legislation, and reparations. The only way to atone for what's going on out here in these American streets is you got to change the laws. I don't care about you wearing kente cloth and and, and kneeling, looking like white conda forever. You got to change some policies, legislations, and reparations. That's it. Well, right before the news conference, Pelosi and other Democratic lawmakers actually did nail in Kentucky Law for eight minutes and 46 seconds in silent tribute to George Floyd. Now, there's also in this bill a training program would be created to under that bill that would, would cover racial bias and duty to intervene. And the measure would require that police officers use deadly force only as a last resort and use de-escalation techniques as well. And it would require a, a federal registry for misconduct complaints and disciplinary actions under police, against police officers. So also, uh, federal uniformed police officers would be required to wear body cameras and marked federal police vehicles would be required to have dashboard cameras. I thought all that That's was right. already in play. I thought, I thought they already had to do all that. I think this is on the federal level, though, because, you know, state by state, things are different. I could have sworn state by state. I thought every state had to have body cams and it had to have a dashboard camera. That's what I assumed. The body cameras ain't never on. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you can can say it, but if they ain't on, they should should be able to have some. As soon as you you clock in as a police officer, that body cam just automatically turns on. You can't turn it off. That's what it should be. Well, Donald Trump tweeted out this year has seen the lowest crime numbers in our country's recorded history. And now the radical left Democrats want to defund and abandon our police. Sorry, I want law and order. Here's what Donald Trump had to say. There won't be defunding. There won't be uh, dismantling of our police. Ninety nine percent of them are great, great people. And they've done jobs that are record setting. So our crime statistics are at a level that they haven't been at. 
They really are playing Jedi mind tricks with the American people, though, because um, defunding the police and dismantling the police are two different things. Two different defunding things. The police is, yeah, defunding the police is simply taking, you know, money from them big-ass police budgets and then taking some of that bread and investing it into communities, especially the marginalized ones. That's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? The hood never gets that kind of funding. Invest in schools and hospitals and housing and food in the hood. Invest in social services for mental health. If you provide folks in the hood with a better quality of life, then guess what will happen? Crime will go down. Simple. Facts. Right, and Joe Biden um, is saying that he also is opposing defunding the police. He said he does not believe the police should be defunded. He hears and shares the deep grief and frustration of those calling out for change and is driven to ensure that justice is done and that we put a stop to this terrible pain. But they said we do need the need for a reform, including funding for public schools, summer programs, mental health and substance abuse treatment so that officers can focus on the job of policing. So he does not want to defund the police. What am I what am I missing about the term defund the police? Defund the police is not disbanding the police. It's not abolishing the police. It's simply defunding the police. New York has a six. The NYPD has a six billion dollar budget. Take some of that Mm -hmm. money. Take some of that money, put it in the communities that need it. Simple as that. Provide better quality opportunities for the hood. Crime will go down. That means policing will go down, which means interactions with police will go down, which means police killings will go down. Like, what am I missing here? What's wrong with defunding the police? Right, and that is something that they are talking about doing. That is something they are planning to do in New York, in L.A., in Minneapolis, and we'll discuss that more this morning. All right. Well, that is front page news. Police officers themselves, it's not like we taking money out y'all pocket. Six billion dollar budget, y'all ain't out here, you know, getting seven figures a year. (laughs) Okay? That money ain't going to y'all. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe at a bad night, horrible night, or maybe you feel blessed. Whatever it may be. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So, so you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yeah, hey, what's up? My name is Anthony. Anthony, what's up? Get it off your chest. So I was just calling into about a, the comment made about uh, defunding the, you know, police or whoever it may be, and putting it back into the communities. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how that would solve any issues because if. Uh, if people continue a certain lifestyle they're living, they're just going to take that for granted and, and still look up to the wrong people or and sell drugs and hang out all day. Whoa. I think the real problem is people don't have any drive. And that's how they that's end up true. in those certain communities. You know what I mean? No, nah, that's, tr- that's not true. We end up in those certain communities because of systemic racism. And it's not that we don't have no drive. We don't have no opportunity. If you provide folks in the hood with a better quality of life, provide them with better quality opportunities, then guess what will happen? Crime will go down. Uh, policing will go down, which means interactions with police will go down, which means police killings will go down. That's where you from? I'm 100% on board that. You know? Where you from, sir? I'm from down the shore. Down the show. I, I listen okay. to you guys every day on my commute up to uh, up to uh, work. You know, I, I do down the show is very beautiful. But let me ask you a question. You you, you know that when you went to school and, and, and some of the schools that some of the people that you were just talking about, it's totally different. Some of some of some of the students don't have books. Some of the students don't have computers. Some of the students have to walk through metal detectors to get to just to get to school. 
You know, it's a totally yeah, you know different this sh- this t- game plan where, where you went to school and where they went to school. So it's not a matter about having drive. It's a matter of most of them don't have an opportunity. You know, you, you probably, know were, you probably you- were raised in a house, correct? I'm sorry? You were raised sorry? in a house, sir? Yes. All right, right. Now, your parents were probably easy for them to get a loan to purchase that home. You know, a lot of people can't get a loan to get a house. It's not that, that you know they don't the have show- drive. It's that, it's that the banks won't lend them any money. So it's totally two different ways that, that you were raised and they were raised. Not a matter about drive. You think they, they drive to stay in the hood? No, they drive to get out, but the opportunities are not the same. Yeah, well, they also have just, programs where they have examples where it has worked, like in Jersey City uh, back in 2013. In Camden, they did away with the police department and they had a renewed focus on community service. And they said it actually worked out really well. And Barack Obama well, praised that when it happened. So there are instances where they can show how effective that has been. Well, well, hold on, you be careful with that. We don't want them to get rid. We don't want them to get rid of the police department. We want them to take funding out of the police department. Those funding, those those police have too big. They have these huge budgets. Take some of that money and put it in the community. We don't want to get rid of the police right. department. But there was one thing I also wanted to share that uh, you know construction unions they're real big on hiring minorities. If you you know you just got to go apply, and you know I'm in a construction union. You know, everybody gets paid the same. Doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're part of the union, there's one wage, and you know you can make uh, damn near a hundred thousand a year plus. You know, without a college degree, you just gotta go apply, and you know it requires and, 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 you know hard work and getting up early. But you know the yo, money's stop there. Saying, yo, yo, bro, 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 bro. Bro, stop acting like people in the hood are lazy and they don't have no drive. That is a nasty stereotype that white supremacists like to push. Because I'm going to simply tell you this. What you got growing up was funding. What the hood doesn't get, what black communities don't get, is funding. So let's defund some of the police money and put it into our community. I didn't go to college because I would have had to pay for it. I joined, you know, construction because that was my outlet. I I mean, you was provided the opportunity. You don't know me. You was you know, provided you the opportunity. By the you was provided by, you was provided the opportunity. You know, by I just applied and I got in. That that was my opportunity. There, it's out there for everybody. That's right, thank, and that's why we want the funding man. to go. In, Appreciate you. We want the funding. Me. We want the funding to go to our community so it can go into our schools. Okay, so they can get that kind of information to know to apply for those kind of jobs. We definitely need job training um, programs in the hood. One hundred percent. That's where the funding. That, that's where the funding would go. But that's the problem. The problem is is when some people look at our community, they say, oh, they're lazy. But they don't necessarily understand that you don't have the same opportunities that a lot of people have. And it's not even that they're asking for a million-dollar loans. They're, they're just asking for an opportunity. You know how, I mean, how hard it is to go try to get a job and they look at the color of your skin and they pass? It still happens. Do you know what happens if... It, it, it just You can't think like that. It's, it's not like, oh, well, in the hood, everybody's lazy. That's not it. Most of the time, these, these kids don't have the opportunity. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the books. They don't have the resources. And that's why defunding the police th- is important because when you defund the police and you put the money into the communities, especially the schools, guess what will happen in those schools? They'll have job training programs. That's it. Simple as that. And you got to prepare people not only for the jobs that are available now, but the jobs that are going to be available in the 21st century. Right. Tech and, and the, all that other stuff. That's what job the, training programs are for. And the sad thing is I don't that guy that just called, I, I don't think he was racist. I just think he's unknowledgeable. I just really think he doesn't know, and I think a lot of people just don't know and just don't get it. Like honestly, I just, it, he, it just doesn't it get it. Up to them to get it. You're right. It's up to, it's up to, it's, it's, it's up to us to get it and make sure that we bring those resources to our people who need it. Eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. 
The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Hello, hello. Good morning. This is Whitney. How are you guys? Whitney, good morning. Good get morning, it off your Whitney. chest. Good morning. I have to get something off my chest. And this is directly in response to what Angelique said this morning in regards to Joe Biden. Like, again, I'm a part of the younger generation. I know these old folks in the political power and all this, they know that April people see with us. We are very impatient. We have short attention spans. And all I'm hearing is after we march from Grand Concourse, to 42nd Street from Brooklyn to Queens after we caught rubber bullets in our ass, after we got run down by the police, after the nurses got snatched up, after all these things, they still do not want to defund the police. So I'm young people, this is why we keep it. We're angry. Like, and I just don't understand. This is why young people do not get into politics because they just feel like it's straight up bull. And that's exactly how I feel. I, I still try to get out and go bull. I still try to, you know, be a part of society and do the right thing. But I just don't feel like now I've lost all trust when it comes to the to the police, to the politics, all of that. Because I just feel like they don't actually listen to what people are saying. You know what? And yeah, that's I why it's more important, I would say, for young people to even run for office. You know, there's an interesting book you should read. It's called Run for Something that talks about different offices you can run for, what you need in order to be able to run for office. And I think that we should encourage people, especially the younger generation, to be more involved in politics and not even just voting, but also running for office. I'm definitely going to read that because right now, this is just crazy. This is the most I've ever been involved in politics because... Like, it's literally directly affecting my people. Again, I come from the South where I've had a white man throw crack cocaine under my car and say I was dealing drugs. To sit here and say that, oh, not defund the police, not take away the power from these parents and tanners out there who feel like they have all this power. Like, that's crazy to me. And I just don't understand. I feel like America is living in the 1920s. Right. Well, we got to salute. We got to salute Governor Cuomo because he did pass a bill yesterday that if those Karens call, um, you know, they make those fake nine one one calls, you know, they, they do crime. go to jail. But 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 Joe Biden and his team aren't the brightest. I'm starting to realize that. I watched Kamala Harris knock that question out the park yesterday on the View when they asked her about defunding the police. She did a great job. Nancy Pelosi didn't want to even answer the question, and Joe Biden straight up fumbled it. Tone deaf as hell. And then when people don't show up in November, they're gonna be looking clueless and blaming voters for not coming out instead of giving them a reason to come out to vote. Are you not paying attention to what these kids are out here going through? Yes. To fund the police, it's a simple answer. Yes, I would like to take funds from the police department and invest back into the hoods that need them. Simple. How do you blow that question? All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. Now we got rumors on the way? Yes. Well, let's talk about finances. The world's uh, highest paid celebrities. Who do you think is number one on that list? All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, so Forbes put out the world's highest paid celebrities. And who do you think was number one on the list? Celebrities? Um, um, either Rihanna or Kanye West. Kylie Jenner, $590 oh, yeah. million. Dollars. 
Of course. Kanye was actually comment. number two on that list, by the way. So okay. uh, I guess to keep it in the family, he's worth a hundred and well, he pulled in $170 million. Most of that money came from his Yeezy sneaker deal with Adidas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, other people Ooh, who made this. Rihanna, let's see if she's in the top 10. No, she didn't make it into the top 10. But I'll tell you who did make it in the top 10. Uh, Tyler Perry's number six on the list. Howard Stern is number eight. LeBron is number nine. And Dwayne Johnson is number 10, The Rock, okay. on that top that 10 all list. About right. so, mm-hmm. I know. All people, a lot I feel of like Rihanna have, would be in that top 10. Yeah, and a lot of those people have one thing in common. They all have ownership of something that they're doing. You know, Tyler Perry, of course, has a lot of ownership. Kylie Jenner has ownership. Kanye has ownership. So equity is the way to go, people. Clearly. Absolutely. Now, Diddy is number 37 on the list with $55 million. Steph Curry, he's number 16 with $74.4 million. Other people who made the list, Billie Eilish, she made $53 million. Jerry Seinfeld, he's number 46 with $51 million. They also said because of the pandemic, a lot of people that normally would make the list like um, a lot higher up, like a Taylor Swift or a Paul McCartney, you know, they're a little bit lower. Yeah, because of that. But they're still on the list. Now, podcasting has made its first appearance because of Bill Simmons, who made $82.5 million, and he was number 13. Yes, on that list. Also, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, he made the list for the first time. He was number 62 with $45.5 million. So congratulations uh, to him as well. Good to see podcasting on that list. That means Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Rogan will probably be there next year. I thought Billie Eilish was a girl. Yes, she is. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you said he. All right. No, she is a girl. All right. Now, speaking of money, uh, Allen Iverson, he's set to collect his $32 million trust fund payment in 2030 when he turns 55 years old. That's because of a lifetime Reebok contract that he has. And they've been paying him $800,000 a year. So they are actually going to be when he turns 55. So 10 years from now, he'll be able to get that uh that $32 million trust fund payment. Shout That's out to AI. Somebody looked out, <laughs> yeah, somebody looked out for AI when he was young, somebody who knew their finances, because, I mean, to have a lifetime deal getting $800,000 a year and to have that trust fund when he turns 55. That's, that's great. That's that's what it's about. And he's my favorite <laughs> He's my favorite basketball about. player, too. But shout to, uh, he just had celebrated a birthday a couple days ago, yep. too. Yeah, he was uh, turned 45 Sunday. Bubba Chuck, happy birthday. Right. bombs for AI. And in more finances, Steve Harvey has purchased Tyler Perry's mansion in Atlanta, and he paid $15 million for that. 17 acres. Tyler Perry built that in 2007, sold it in 2016, and now Steve Harvey owns it in 2020. So, Steve yes, got it. Yes. Look dope. Look really, really dope. <laughs> don't, you like, don't you like to see all that property and land passed from black hand to black hand? Ain't that incredible? Well, there was somebody Come in on, between, man. but I love to see it. Absolutely. All right, and Nick Cannon talks about having to have that talk about staying alive with his three children to protect them from police brutality. He was talking to Access Hollywood, and here's what he said. I made a statement that my children fear police. I didn't say you should be. I I try to teach fearlessness. But when they see the energy of law enforcement, when, uh uh-oh, here comes the police, or that mindset of sit up straight and don't talk, Keep your hands where they can see. When these are things that I, I'm I'm talking to a three year old about, and our nine year olds about, and they bring those questions to me. It's hurtful to have those conversations with your children, but you want to protect them at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean it's a very difficult conversation to have because you don't know how much is too much. You know what I mean? And you don't want to plant seeds that aren't necessarily 
there yet in your children's brains. But the reality of the situation is the racism is always really there. And it's only a right. matter of time before they experience it overtly or covertly. So it's better them to be prepared with what's to come. So it's right. not a shock to them. So they're not surprised. You know, you don't want them, you know, uh, thinking that life is sweet when it's not. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. Now, when we come back, we got front page news. What are we talking about? Yes, and we are going to be uh, talking about Donald Trump and what he has to say about defunding the police. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. All right. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, George Floyd, his public memorial service was yesterday in Houston, and thousands of people went to pay respect. Now, one person who, sm- who spoke was Eric Garner's mother, Gwen Carr. Here's what she had to say. They have doubled back and claimed another life by a chokehold. That's why we have to fight for justice. This family is hurting now. Just like I'm hurt, my hurt don't go away. So that's why I know what they are feeling. And just like you're out here today, don't go home and don't do anything. You're paying your respects, but the most respect you can pay is to help this family. Come out, even after the cameras. The camera's going to be gone in a few days. That's right. She's absolutely right. And guess what? It'll be another black person killed at the hands of the police, you know, in in the next couple weeks, three weeks, if we don't push for some type of real systemic change out here in these streets and dismantle this mechanism called white supremacy. Yeah, we were just talking behind the scenes about the gentleman that was killed on the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, Mm -hmm. The police were supposed to have body cameras, but they say the police never got body cameras. So, you know, another unarmed black person was killed. And we don't have all the information with that case yet. And today, George Floyd's funeral will be live streamed, so you can see that as well. It's a private funeral that will take place at the Fountain of Praise Church at 11 a.m. in Houston. And that service, again, you can um, live stream that service. It'll be limited to 500 people. Now, the ex-Minneapolis cop Derek Chauvin was in court yesterday, and his bill was set at up to $1.25 million dollars for those murder charges. So he's being charged with second and third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. But they also said that oh, bail is going to be a lot lower. No, they said it's going to, well, they, they said it's going to be a lot lower. They said once he decides to uh, hand over his guns and say that he'll never uh, step close to George Floyd's family, that they'll probably uh, lower that bail, which is crazy. He's been in jail right now for nearly two weeks. So right at this point, he'll have to post $1.25 million if he wants to be released with no conditions, but he can be released after posting $1 million bail if he agrees to abide by conditions. That includes appearing for all future court appearances, not working in a security capacity, and not possessing firearms or retaining a firearms permit. I pray he doesn't have the money to get out. I pray he doesn't have any bail money. I really do. I hope so, too. You know, some of these cops are doing all kinds of GoFundMes and stuff like X police officers to try to raise money because the other three officers that were charged as well for aiding and abetting. All right. Now let's talk about the congressional Democrats. They have put out a sweeping police reform bill that would ban chokeholds like what was used in the death of George Floyd last month. And they would also be banning no knock warrants and drug cases like what was used in the fatal shooting of Breonna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky back in March. And in addition to that, It would create a grant program that would allow state attorney generals to create an independent process that would investigate misconduct or excessive use of force. And there's a lot of things uh, in this bill that they want to have just because 
you know, police departments, when you violate, when they violate your civil rights, they would make um, lynching a federal hate crime. It would make it easier for people to recover damages when things like that happen. And here is what Donald Trump has to say also about defunding the police. There won't be defunding. There won't be uh, dismantling of our police. 99% of them are great, great people, and they've done jobs that are record-setting. So our crime statistics are at a level that they haven't been at. Don't let now, Donald Kamala Trump Harris. Anybody else. Mm -hmm. oh, no, I was going to say Kamala Harris was on the View, and she described what defunding the police really is. We have mm -hmm. confused the the idea that to achieve safety, you put more cops on the street instead of understanding to achieve safe and healthy communities, you put more resources into the public education system of those communities, into affordable housing, into home ownership, into access to capital for small businesses, access to health care regardless of, of how much money people have. That's how you achieve safe and healthy communities. And so we really do need to understand and reimagine what and how we can actually make and help make communities safe. Dropping the clues bombs for Senator Kamala Harris. That's how you answer that question. Don't let Donald Trump or anybody else make you think defunding the police is a bad thing. They are trying to Jedi mind trick y'all. Got you thinking that defunding the police is disbanding the police or abolishing the police. No. Defunding the police is taking resources from those big-ass city budgets and putting that money into poor and disenfranchised communities. Investing schools, hospitals for better health care, housing, better food in the hood. Investing social services for mental health, job training programs, teach kids trades, after-school programs, Centers. By the way, when we talk about dismantling systemic racism, destroying the mechanism of white supremacy, not funding the hood, not funding the black community, that's all part of it. Because the whole point of systemic racism is to marginalize, and that's why people like Trump are so against defunding the police, okay? And listen, if you don't like the term defund the police, how about divest invest? Divest from police uh, budgets to invest in the people. You like that better? Does that make you feel better? Huh? 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 All right. Well, that is your front page news. Yes, and I said uh, the turnpike, but it's actually the Garden State Parkway is where the, uh, the brother was killed. The Garden State Parkway, not the turnpike. All right. Now, when we come back, Jalen and Jacoby will be joining us, of course, from ESPN. We're going to kick it with them when we come back, so don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Everybody, it's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, from ESPN, we have our guys Jalen and Jacoby. Welcome, fellas. What up, Joe? And you know, we got to come to the Breakfast Club to give the people what they want. <laughs> I want to say um, salute to you and Jacoby because y'all bring a sense of normalcy to, to my day. Like, you know, for the past three months, I have a long, we've been in this little quarantine. Just to be able to turn on ESPN and see y'all on TV, whether it's y'all or first take, and the fact that y'all find a way to talk about and there's no sports is incredible. We definitely appreciate the love and support. It feels like both of our shows are on the come up at the same time. Each of us are similar in age, and you guys' movement has started basically around a decade, kind of like ours. And I've seen you guys continue to grow an inch and inch and inch and become the number one show and successful in your own right, like Wu-Tang Clan. So congratulations. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank you. Are you excited for the NBA season to come back? Did you think this was going to happen? I'm definitely excited about the NBA comeback. It's going to be unorthodox in a lot of ways. It's going to be like rec ball on a Saturday when it's hot outside and the wind blowing. 
You know, all elements. It's not going to be chalk. It's going to be upsets. It's going to be injured players coming back to play. But ultimately, Charlemagne is going to be happy because I believe LeBron James is still find a way to win the championship. One, one thing about the NBA announcement that really jumped out to me is they're like, yeah, we're going to bring it back. to have everybody go to Orlando. We're going to start the season. Here's the format. And like, yeah, we're going to start all that on July 31st. Like, what are y'all doing for the next eight weeks? <laughs> like, what is going to happen? Yeah, what, why what are you waiting until so the end of July? You guys talk about it every day. There's something happening called COVID-19. It is probably going to spike over the next two or three weeks based, based on the civil unrest, and we're just not socially distancing anymore. And so based on that, I think they've built in a curve where it can spike in two or three weeks, and then it can decline right. in two or three weeks. Uh, What's the parameters with this now? Now I'm hearing that everybody's going to be staying in Disney. They're going to be playing in Disney, not, but not allowed to leave, not allowed to see family members. What are the parameters with, with, with this uh, new league, or I should say this after COVID-19 NBA? Well, they got what's called a bubble down there. And it's in theory, you're not supposed to leave. But one thing that they are doing, which I appreciate, I know you got a bunch of kids too, Envy, is you bring the family. You know, you bring the family into the bubble so the kids are going to get that Disney hotel to themselves, get the pool to themselves. You know, so like the kids are going to be happy. It's just the athletes themselves are going to be in that bubble, but it's almost impossible not to come in contact or even be share the same air as someone who is outside the bubble. So one thing we will see that people aren't really talking about is we're going to see some positive results in the NBA and how they deal with that and the implications of that. Who really knows what's going to happen? I do think LeBron, I do think the Lakers are going to win, but I'm still not sleeping so on too. the Clippers because for me at this point, it's about who was staying in shape over the past three months. Absolutely. And each person's scenario is different. So if you all NBA season vet, you got the mansion, the gym, the chef, the trainer, you're, you're quarantining and, and, and it's not really missing a beat other than going to the facility. Now it's these young cats who are apartment living, can't work out in the gym, can't swim in the pool, don't have access. And so it's gonna be great for the people who are married with kids to be quarantined in the resort in Orlando and Inga. But what about the single guys? That's going to be right. a disaster. <laughs> trying to get your jump off standing out. Now, Jay, yeah, how difficult is it going to be to play with no fans? Because, you know, players play, feed off the energy. They feed off the fans. They feed off what's going on. So the fact that nobody's there, how difficult is that going to be? It, it's going to be a completely different game. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like the greatness is still going to rise. So the Lakers and the Clippers and Giannis and the Bucks. Don't sleep on the Celtics. Don't sleep on the Houston Rockets in a shotgun series like this. But you practice without fans, and that seems like work. The game is with fans, so that's the fun. And that's going to be missing. And it's going to be interesting to see how the players interact with one another because it was one thing when players had a dislike for each other to not have fans. But it's another thing. If the players are don't have dislike for each other and you can hear what they said, you're gonna be at home like, come on, man. If a yeah. like good shot or good move, or if they're complimenting each other too much and you can hear it, you're not gonna like to hear that as a fan. Do you think athletes have a social responsibility to ball players when they come out come back to speak about the protest, Jalen? Absolutely. So over my shoulder, for those that can't see, is one of my favorite pictures. It's an iconic one. And it's the Ali Summit. It's when Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. refused to go to the military. It's Lou Alcindor, a young Lou Alcindor, before he was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Phil Russell, it's Jim Brown, the greatest players, the greatest champions, the greatest social warriors that sports have seen. Our voice always needed to be heard. It's just that the masses tried to muzzle it. 
because we helped build this country over 500 years. And now our voices are loud as ever. We stand in the suburbs now. We getting more money than ever. We emboldened now. So when I see Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon with their amazing NBA contracts and security, yet their voices of protest being heard on the front line and Steven Jackson, we need that. And the, sweat, and, and the groundswell is going to continue to grow because unlike the 60s, it's not just black people. It's multiple people of different ethnicities that are tired of the oppression that's taking place in the United States of America. What did you guys think about Roger Goodell's statement and what do you think is going to happen moving forward? What would you like to see the NFL do now? I think his video was great theater, but it was not genuine because if it was, he would have mentioned Colin Kaepernick by name. And by the way, he didn't do the video until 13 or 14 notable NFL players did their mixtape version of one for the NFL. That's why it's important for you to use your voice if you have one. And the larger your platform, I can't lie. Anytime I'm seeing Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods drop the statements, that's the first time in my life that that's happened. Michael first dropped time two. in my life. And, and if you know the history of America, we don't have to go all the way back to slavery. I'm just talking about anytime there's a loud black voice, many times it becomes something that's a predator and or murdered by police officers, the people we pay to protect and serve. I want people out there to Google Fred Hampton. He was murdered in Chicago by police in the middle of the night. Okay, I can give you a hundred of these examples. And so based on how we continue to progress as a society, what has happened is, wait a minute, that happened to George Floyd. That happened to Amal Aubrey. That happened to Breonna Taylor. But then all of a sudden in Buffalo, a 79-year-old elderly man gets pushed by police and ambushed, and they walk over him while he's on the ground bleeding. Right. And you can see the officers pushing one another away from each other. So now all of a sudden, sub uh, suburban America and white America is looking like, wait a minute, we hear that you guys are being oppressed. Now that revolution is being televised and it's on Instagram and it's on social media. But they're also doing this to us as well? Wait a minute, we need to unite together and make change. And that's a groundswell that makes me enthusiastic about what I'm seeing right now. This feels different. This doesn't feel like the first Eric Garner I can breathe. This doesn't it's a feel like- It's a paradigm shift. This feels like it's going to be a paradigm shift. I agree with you. All right, we got more with Jalen and Jacoby. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Jalen and Jacoby. Charlemagne? You know what else, Jalen, too, man? And, and I, I would love for you and Jacoby to do this at ESPN. Like, we can't let these corporations turn this into Black Lives Marketing. Meaning, like, yo, how many people, mm. black people work at your place of business? How many black people do you have in seeing your roles at your company? How many black people on your board? What does your black representation look like? I feel like if 13% of black people make up the population, we should make up 13% of all industries when it comes to equity, ownership, and involvement. I don't want to hear nothing about no Black Lives Matter if, you, if your company doesn't reflect that. I mean, I can't respond to that on behalf of ESPN, but one thing that I am concerned about, much like you, is this needs to happen over years. And for the change that you're talking about, especially with senior roles, a lot of times people make diversity hires, but they make those diversity hires in the lower ranks of the company. And it doesn't really change yes. the tip of the spear. So I feel like 
if this needs to happen over weeks and weeks and years and years and months and months in order to make that real change and, and to make the representation at the top of these big corporations the same as the representation in the streets. You know, the, the cross-section of the population should rep be represented at the top of the corporations, not just the bottom. And as a, a founder of a tuition-free public charter high school, we just had our sixth graduation. I started the school nine years ago. And when I do those posts or when I graduate, 80 students this year, 12 from college, and when I service over a thousand students, that's a footnote. That ain't even discussed. And so why did I do it? Because I realized something. Racism also needed a vaccine, and it's called education. And we're going to keep pushing all of these black faces that are graduating from our school, and 100% of them are going on to college or universities and community college because they're going to be armed to be the successful people that can help lead the charge that each of you guys talk about on a daily basis. Hold on, we don't celebrate Jalen enough for that school, man. Drop one of yeah. the bombs for Jalen Rose having that school. Salute to LeBron. LeBron got his school. LeBron gets a lot of mm -hmm. attention. Jalen, you've been doing yours for nine years. We, we don't celebrate you enough for that. Completely tuition-free, amazing. We're a 9 through 16 model. So I have 400 scholars in high school, and then we have another 600 between their freshman and fifth year of college. So wow. the reason why I went age 14 to 22 is because that's when young black men and women start to be viewed by society as endangered species. That's when we start to be overlooked. That's when we start to be underserved. And it's a thousand of them that we graduated from high school, graduated from college, put them in trade school, and we're very proud of everybody from our board to our staff and to all of the parents and scholars that put in our work every day. Did you see the picture of, of yourself and they uh they put you in a Hampton University uh outfit, a uh, uniform? Then I seen uh Carmelo Anthony and Morgan State, and they had uh, Kevin Durant and Howard. Yes, Envy, I cannot front. I forwarded that picture to myself, and I'm printing that out. Mm -hmm. because the opposite of being the mem a member of the Fab Five, and that's five guys at a white university that was able to change the landscape of the way we were able to change it, the total opposite of that is going to Hampton and having a great time. And I know I have fun in Michigan, but I'm telling you right now, oh, my goodness, if I went to a black college, <laughs> man, please. But how do we get more athletes to do it? Because when I seen that picture, I thought it was amazing. I was like, it just takes a couple of players. Like, how do we, you know, what do you think about, you know, black players going to HBCU and playing for HBCU, keeping the money in the HBCU? I think it would do amazing things for those, those universities and colleges. Oh, it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you why. Because players going overseas to get a check. Players are able to go to the G League to get a check. In a couple of years, you're going to be able to leave high school and go straight to the NBA draft. So basically, your options to go to a big college or university versus go to an HBCU, other than the platform that they can provide because they have so much more money, the fellowship you get with your people, I can't front. Early 90s, I was at Michigan, and I was looking at Outcast video. I was like, oh, I need to get to Freaknik. And I have a picture of myself <laughs> with Earthquake and Mark Curry in Magic City when I was in college. I was like, oh, man, I should go to a black school. This is great. So I believe it's going to eventually happen. Now, what are your guys' thoughts on James Dolan and his lack of a statement and then his leaked emails going out? What do you think people are, are thinking about James Dolan and going to play for the Knicks? Well, I would say this is um, 
not putting out a statement is one thing, right? And that, that to me is wrong. That's just my opinion. But to write an email to all of your employees explaining why you're not putting out a statement, like, I don't understand how that can even happen. And then you start, you start taking it to the next level. You're like, all right, can we get him out of the league? Right, because this isn't the first time. He's a habitual line stepper when it comes to this kind of thing, but I just don't think the legislature's there. You, I mean, he owns the team, so I don't think that this is a, a quote-unquote fireable offense for him. But if I'm a free agent, I don't want to go play there. I don't want to go there when you've got the Nets right across the the river. Why not? I understand Hello. why Katie and Kyrie went there. You've got the Charles Oakley incident. Him yelling at a fan, getting a fan kicked out. He needs to just sell the team. Spike Lee. Because, Spike Lee. Yeah, the, yeah, Spike Lee exactly. And the problem with this is. I watch those Forbes lists every year, and the, the the value of the Knicks just keeps going up and up and up and up. There's no reason for him to sell a team when every single year hundreds of millions of dollars in value gets added to that no matter what they put on the floor, no matter what their record is. And at this point, we're stuck with him. And if you're, so you're a Knicks saying fan, that New Yorkers are stupid, Jacoby. So you say, uh, uh, New Yorkers are guts for punishment. Agree. As I hear you, you tell the James Dolan story, <laughs> unfortunately, it reminds me a lot uh, in a parallel universe of what's going on in our country. So you're talking about somebody that doesn't seem to be inclusive, doesn't seem to be embracing the Black Lives Matter movement, but yet they're making more money off the sweat equity that the black players are putting on the floor. I see a, I see a common theme there that's unfortunate. All right, we got more with Jalen and Jacoby. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Jalen and Jacoby. Charlemagne? You know, Jalen, you said something earlier about uh, miking the players up. I think that they're going to have to do that in the NBA. I also think that they should find a way to have, like, a live Twitter ticker rolling at the bottom of the screen. You know what I mean? What do you think of that? The, here's the problem with the players are going to be mic'd up, but you're only going to hear a watered down version of. It. Think about this, this is going to be these are going to be made for TV events. You're going to hear crowd noise. It might be uh, cut out cardboards of people in the stands. It's going to be people socially distancing. It's it, it's going to be a made for TV event. And so I wish we can hear the true trash talk that you guys hear on street ball of people going to play or whatnot, but it's going to be filtered so much by the team, by the league. Yeah, you're going to hear some checkup or and one or like normal stuff, but you're not going to hear what they really say when they get the technical files because that's going to be bleeped out. You don't think social media interaction, Jacoby, Jalen, y'all don't think that would be good to have social media interaction? Not from the players. I'm talking about people watching it at home. They'll be cursing on TV. <laughs> they have to filter that. They have to filter yeah, that. I mean, they, have so they could have some sort of curated Twitter live stream feed, but we've tried that sort of thing before, and it never really hits the way you want it to. Like, like I'm, I'd rather mm-hmm. watch the game than read the game, you know? And right. I think that if you – we know those coaches huddle where they let us in on. Every time they let us into a coach's huddle, they're not saying anything. Like, come on, guys, rebound, try hard. Because we only get – like, it's every time I'm like, what, it seems like they're talking like seven-year-olds. Like, wait, what is this? Like, this, is, this guy's getting paid $10 million to say try hard. So they're only going to give us these little tiny snippets. We won't be able to see what's really going on. But I want to know – I just want to know, there's going to be some There's going to be some lobby bar action going on in Orlando. You know, I want to know if our reporters are ready for that. You know, because there's going to be yeah, some lobby yeah, bar yeah. action going on. The lobby bar is going to be popping in Orlando, and I want to know who's going to tell me about I'm gonna that. I'm going to tell you what better not happen. I bet not see any TMZ stories because you guys know, and I don't want to see nobody on the Angela Yee report. I just hope there's not any co-mingling between 
husbands and wives of other teams, players, and stuff. Oh, 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 oh. I'm just saying, because that's a long time to be in the same place at the same time, walking from the bar to the pool to the room. I'm just saying. See, you could have got away with that previously when you were playing, but nowadays with social media, there's not much that people can get away with, you know? And, and the reason, I guess that came to mind because I just saw, I don't know if it just happened. I know you guys probably know that Arizona has a, a legislation that basically uh, forbids civilians from filming the police. Did you guys know this? I didn't know that, no. Yeah, I didn't know it was in Arizona, yeah. but I've heard of states having it, yeah. How about that? Like, it's a $600 fine, and you're not able to use the footage. It is basically oh, like you're the criminal. Absolutely. You know, I saw I saw a lot of players upset about Michael Jordan's documentary saying that there's certain things that happen that you're not supposed to tell publicly. So I would guess that, especially in this case, when everyone is in Orlando, there's got to be some type of code of silence. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a code of silence. You're going to be quarantining. But the, the married guys are with their significant others and their kids. They're enjoying Disney and this big resort. To, and we got it to ourselves. They're in heaven. But the single guys, they still got their black card. They don't figure a way to try to make action. <laughs> Question about that, Doc. Did y'all have last dance fatigue? Because y'all talked about that for at least two months. No way. I could watch another 10 episodes. I, I could watch 10. I could watch 10 episodes of him at the Wizards. Everyone looked forward to Sunday night. It was true. It was it was like true appointment Definitely. viewing. What did you think of how they depicted uh, Scottie Pippen and, and Horace Grant? Here's something I want everybody to get from last dance. Gary Krauss, one of the greatest general managers of all time. Scottie Pippen, one of the top 50 players of all time. Horace Grant won three championships and one of the greatest power fours to ever do it in the boys' uniform. All of those gentlemen were unhappy about the last dance. If I was Scottie Pippen, I should be able to walk around with my chest out, with my six rings on, and celebrate that. But instead, they show so many of his warts, like all great stories do. It's like he can't even be happy. And so I got from it, it's sad that they had so much success and they not even cool with each other. Scotty and Michael not cool? Clearly, Charlemagne. Dog, he wasn't even on the team in 94 when he didn't go in the game against the Bulls. I mean, against the Knicks. MJ wasn't even on the squad. They have to show that. All these guys have done projects and documentaries (laughs) and written books. Like, they, right. MJ wasn't even on it. Like, if that's your man, there's certain things that you just not, all right, you know what? I ain't play that yet, boom. The missed free throw at Indiana, we just playing against them. Like, I forgot about that. I was Me in too. the game. I forgot about that. that. <laughs> you know? So but they, certain, they did so show Michael missing a couple, too, though. You know what made me appreciate the last dance so much, though? You realize that it was oftentimes the Bulls didn't have the best team. Y'all had a better mm. team. So it made me appreciate the journey even more. See, like every when you count rings, it's like he got six, he got six MVPs, and people just assume that they just swept all the way through and was unchallenged the entire time. As we was beating them by 15 in game seven. And I look back at the documentary, and as everybody celebrate MJ, he the GOAT, of course, we better celebrate MJ. I'm looking at him, I'm like, this dude had a pot belly, was smoking a cigar in the locker room. They were smoking on the plane. We should have beat yeah. them. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So to your point, it's exactly right. He willed them to get it done sometimes even when they weren't the best squad, and that was definitely one of those years. But, Jalen, I want to talk to you about the Pistons, right? 
How come the 2004 Pistons who upset the Lakers team don't get spoken about like that? Because they came along in an era of dominant dynasties. From 2000 to 2010, Shaq, Kobe, Tim Duncan took all of the rings, like MJ did in the 90s. But if you look from 2011 to now, LeBron does have his three, but so does Steph. Kawhi has two. So, like, different players now that are great are also getting the chance to make their mark. And so that's why our Detroit Pistons, bad boys too. Thank you for giving them love. Chauncey, Rip, Big Ben should be in the Hall of Fame. Rasheed, threes and seven foot tall. And so Tayshawn Prince. When, when she was getting texts, I was watching the NBA. I was playing in the league. I was like, I wish every time a player got a tech, the money stayed in the hood. I actually pitched that to the league. What, what happens to that tech money? He played for That's Detroit. Real. If they get a tech and it's at the end of the year, it's $350,000 worth of checks. What they should be doing is going different places and showing young people, look at all of these clips of me getting texts. This is how you deal with your anger management. This is how you deal with your social issues at work. Here's a big blank check. Makes sense. Well, thank you well, guys thank for you joining guys. us, brother. We appreciate y'all for checking in always. Jalen and Jacoby. Appreciate it. Big fans thank of this show. It's an honor to be on The Breakfast day. Club. It is an honor to be on The Breakfast Club, man. We love y'all show. We talk about it all the time. Thank you so much. Love, Check us brother. out every day at 4 p.m. on ESPN. And when Jacoby was growing up in Amherst, Massachusetts, he never would have thought he'd be on The Breakfast Club. <laughs> 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 it's Jalen and Jacoby. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Listen up. It's just the- the Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. Yes, so Noah Forty Shabib from OVO actually had some things to say to Rolling Stone about Pusha T and his story of Adidan. Now, just to give you guys a reminder, here's what Pusha T had to say in this diss song to Drake. OVO 40 hunched over like he 80. Tick, tick, tick. How much time he got that man is. Six, six, six. Now, Forty did an interview with Rolling Stone where he replied and said, I guess all I'll say is that was just a different thing for me. Different than a bar that he gets off. No real comment. I made my comment. It was National MS Awareness Day. Ultimately, ultimately, I like turning things into positive situations or brighter sides. And if that brings awareness to my disease on a bigger level, I was happy about that. That's what I used it for. Uh, he said, that ultimately is a good thing for me. I like that transaction we had from that perspective. I'm very vocal about it. But he said that he did think it crossed the line. He said that was something different than a bar. So he said, that's cool. I barely know that guy. Well, no disrespect to 40. Uh, salute to him. But, you know, that is what a diss bar sounds like in America. Now, the Canadian bars might be a little light, so you might not be used to that kind of smoke. But that good old Virginia smoke in a diss record, that's what it sounds like. So it's supposed to go too far. It's supposed to hurt your feelings. It's supposed to piss you off. That was the point. Yeah, I feel him, though, man. If you know anybody who has MS, it is such a difficult thing to have to deal with. Like, and it's not anything that anybody can help. So that's just, you know, I get yeah, it. It, it, it is a battle. You know, it's kind of what are the rules in the battle? Like, we've seen people go too far and, 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 and yeah. you know, what are, the, what are the rules? What is too far? What can I say? What can I say? You know, it's, it's kind of difficult. That's the whole point of the battle. I want to hurt you mentally. I want to hurt you emotionally. Right. Pusha knew what he was doing. Pusha, Pusha took something that he knew probably uh, bothers 40 and, and hit him with it. Oh, that's I mean, awful. I can't. It is, but that's battle rap. <laughs> Have you ever listened to battle rappers? Well, yes. yeah, of course.
I just, you know, I, and Forty wasn't really part of that beef. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like he was going back and forth, so I get it. Hey, sometimes you got to catch these screens when I'm shooting. I'm shooting at the whole OVO. Somebody going to get hit. All right, now, Tory Lanez versus Spectacular. This was a beef we didn't anticipate happening. So, apparently, this is how it all started on social media, of course. Now, this started with Tory Lanez saying to Akon, so what y'all telling me is Akon gave the Locked Up remix sample to someone else and not me. I'm going back to bed, man. And Spectacular responded and said, you should have just stole it. Like, grind on me and your body. Why stop now? Just keeping it to Virgil's. <laughs> and then Tory Lanez responded... Stole what? Actually, I bought the rights from whoever signed you and publishes your music, but I guess you weren't a part of that conversation. Go stare in someone's eyes and rub on someone's thighs and leave me out of this one. <laughs> Good night, my black rubbing brother. On thighs? Didn't somebody else rub on thighs and look no, at someone's eyes? No, that was the same yesterday? thing. They said no. That was the same. It was the same story. But there's oh. more to the story now. That's okay. all you hear is rubbing on thighs. Out of everything else, you hear on you hear man and rubbing on thighs. But go ahead, ye. Well, here is spectacular breaking down what happened. When I talked about stealing my record. I'm talking about sampling my record. You put out grind on me, not even hollering at me, after we was already having conversations, and then you put out, yes, sir, your body. And you literally called me on the phone, you talked to me, bro, and asked me, can I get on the record for you? I couldn't make it because I was on tour. You know I was on tour, bro. You came to my meet and greet, bro. And the first thing you said to me was, you still mad at me, huh? I'll just pay you back that money. Because you know what you did, bro. We did a record together, and you just ran off on me. You got my record snaps down and everything, bro. And you still, to this day, never made that right. Come on, Spectacular. You got better things to do, man. Go find some uh, cats. <laughs> and then Spectacular, spectacular went was, on to... was behind this, the, the cat memes. Made a lot and of Spectacular money went on to explain that he still did uh, do some clearances for Tory. Here's what he said. And then still after that, I still clear yes, sir, for you. Like I said, I own my masters. Can't nothing get clear without me giving the green light, bro. But I supported you even though you did me wrong. You know exactly what's going on. And nobody ain't never know that story. That was years ago, bro, until now. It's because you capping. So I got to say something. Now, Tory Lanez okay. did clap back to let him know that he did get his paperwork correct. And he actually provided receipts to show that he got the clearance for the record and that he paid for it. The writers were paid and all of that. Yeah, Tory Lanez, he did his due oh, diligence. Like I said, if it comes out and it's on streaming service, nine times out of ten, they had to do the, pa the proper paperwork. No label is going to let anything go without the proper paperwork being done. So, looks like Tory Lanez cleared that record. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a silly thing to be going back for. and forth. Yeah, it's silly it right now. It yeah. is. I don't have time. I'm on my trampoline. All right. Now, Donald Trump, his only liked tweet is about Insecure, and everybody's really confused. It felt, I don't know if he watches Insecure and really meant to go ahead and like an Insecure tweet, but or if you know how sometimes you like something by accident. I do that all the time. That's I do a, that, and I follow people by accident. Right. That's a hell of a tweet so now, to like by accident. Now, the tweet that he liked is, this is how I wanted tonight's episode of Insecure to end. Damn, Molly. And so... <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump like that. Okay, I told, bro. listen, I told Yvonne Orgy, people is mad at Molly. Even Donald Trump was pissed. Yeah, he gonna get that. He gonna try to get that black vote. You gonna see him watching all types of stuff now. <laughs> but here's now, the thing: Issa why Ray... can't Donald Trump watch Insecure? He can. The one it's tweet TV, that he likes. TV show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now Issa Rae responded, "What the f is this?" So that was her response to finding out. And, yeah, a lot of people were confused about that. All right, Matt Barnes is saying that some NBA players say they're not going to be comfortable playing until racial injustice is addressed. And here is what Matt Barnes uh, says some guys have said from the Lakers and the Clippers. 
Snoop hit me the other day too, talking about it because I had talked to a few guys, not to mention no names, and he said he had he had talked to a couple guys from the Lakers and uh, uh, the Clippers, and you know there's some whispers about you know some teams not being comfortable. Some guys want to play, some guys don't want to play. All right, I feel that you know it's hard to work for an organization when you feel like. They don't address certain things that really affect you directly, and you make those organizations X amount of dollars. You know what I like? And What's I know that? y'all know I, I work with the Brooklyn Nets and the Barclays and the New York Liberty, but Joe Sai, who is um, on the Brooklyn Nets governing team, I guess that's what they call it, he mm-hmm. said, in Brooklyn, the plaza at Flatbush and Atlantic has become a place for people to assemble and have their voice heard. And when you see a lot of people protesting in Brooklyn, it is right outside the Barclays. He said, if it continues to serve as a place where everyone from our community, from residents to businesses to police alike, gather peacefully to listen to each other and find common ground, then it's good with me. So he's all for it. And I like that type of energy uh, for people. So, you know, shout out to the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Liberty and the Barclays. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? Uh, we need Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and all those white members of Congress who decided to kente cloth and kneel yesterday to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with them. All right, I'll get into that. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha God. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we've been talking about defunding the police. And we're asking, what are your thoughts? Hmm? Yeah, there was three people who answered this question yesterday. Well, four, because Nancy Pelosi got asked it, but she chose not to answer. Can we play Donald Trump when he um, was asked about defunding the police? There won't be defunding. There won't be uh, dismantling of our police. 99% of them are great, great people, and they've done jobs that are record-setting. So our crime statistics are at a level that they haven't been at. Mm-hmm. And can we play Joe Biden when he was asked about defunding the police? No, I don't support defunding the police. I support conditioning federal aid to police based on whether or not they meet certain basic standards of decency and honorableness and, in fact, are able to demonstrate they can protect the community and everybody in the community. We play Senator Kamala Harris when she was asked about defunding the police. We have confused the the idea that to achieve safety, you put more cops on the street. Instead of understanding to achieve safe and healthy communities, you put more resources into the public education system of those communities, into affordable housing, into home ownership, into access to capital for small businesses, access to health care regardless of, of how much money people have. That's how you achieve safe and healthy communities. And so we really do need to understand and reimagine what and how we can actually make and help make communities safe. One of those people answered the question correctly, okay? (laughs) And that person is not running for president, all right? But she needs to be on somebody's ticket because that's how you answer that question. Don't let Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anyone else make you think defunding the police is a bad thing. They are trying to Jedi mind trick us. They got us thinking that defunding the police is disbanding the police, abolishing the police. No, defunding the police is simply taking tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars out of police budgets and putting that money back into the hood, pouring disenfranchised communities, investing schools, hospitals for better health care, housing, better food in the hood, invest in social services for mental health, job training programs, teach kids yeah, trades, it's so many different programs, things. rec centers. Absolutely. So Come many on, different things that man. the community needs. 
Um, but six billion dollars a year—it's—it's it's a lot of money. And I, and I still I know I know I know you said you don't want to see, but I want to see where they're spending this money before this. Where are they? Where are they spending this money? Because there got to be some crooked ish going on. That's what I'm assuming. Six billion dollars. Because nah. them officers ain't rich. Them officers ain't balling. You know what I'm saying? And and listen, when you talk about dismantling systemic racism, when you talk about destroying the mechanism of white supremacy, not funding the hood, not funding the black community, is part of that. The whole point of systemic racism, I keep telling y'all, is to marginalize black people. That's why you shouldn't trust anyone who's against defunding the police because they are upholding systemic racism. Not to mention, how tone deaf can you be? If you Joe Biden, right? Remember the young lady who called up here earlier and said yes. she's been in the streets protesting and, Correct. you know, the young people are calling for defunding of the police so they, right. they're all for investing in the communities. That's why aren't you listening to the people? People hear Joe Biden saying the same thing as Donald Trump and they like F both of them. I'm staying home in November. Stop. Like, I don't care if you have to change the phrasing. Instead of saying defund the police, say divest and invest, divest from, you know, p- police budgets to invest in the people. Say that. Whatever whatever makes you feel better. But defunding the police is not a bad thing, people. It's well, not in, in New York the police. It's not abolishing the police. Correct. In New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio did pledge for the first time to cut the police funding in the city. So he did say that we're going to shift funding to youth services, to social services, and that will happen literally in the course of the next three weeks. But he said he hasn't gone into detail yet because they're still negotiating and figuring out what makes sense. Yeah. And, and now, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Now, I read this <laughs> yesterday, and it said that in 2021, they're going to cut the fiscal budget. But part of cutting the budget is not just cutting the police budget. It's cutting education and, and housing. That makes no sense to me. Cut the police budget and take that money and put it into education and housing. Well, what right, we're and he said they're going to sh- shift that funding. So we'll see what happens because, like he said, they're in negotiations. So once they present what they're doing with that budget, then we'll be able to speak on it. Yeah, what we're realizing is that, you know, they make money and move money when they need money to be moved. You know, you, you talk That's about right. $6 billion. Like, I want to know for the last couple of years, where, where were these billions of dollars going? And not only that, we've seen them just throw a trillion dollars into the economy. So when the money's right. needed, they get it. So you don't think kids need books and kids need laptops and kids need better schooling and teachers need more money and rec centers that they've been closing down. They're saying that there's so many kids on the streets with nothing to do. Well, there's no rec centers around. There's nowhere for these kids to go. They can't play basketball. They can't play organized sports. They can't learn how to to do things in tech or to learn how to uh, invest or get their mental health right. So let's go to the phone lines. They don't invest in the hood. They don't invest in black and brown communities simply because they don't want to. But we do have some police officers on the line. 800-585-1051. Hello, who's this? How you doing? This is Officer Bodie of North Carolina. Hey, Officer Bodie. Good Officer morning. Bodie, what's happening, my brother? How you doing? How y'all doing? Charlemagne Envy. How y'all doing? Angela Yee, how y'all doing? Doing pretty I'm good, good. brother. I'm black you? and highly favored. Let's, I'm let's glad talk, you called, man. Well, talk to us. Let's oh, talk yeah, about I'm the funding of police. Too, man, and I'm heated. Go ahead. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, first of all, the George Floyd uh, situation, that is not police officers. That is not what we're trained to do. That is none of our tactics. That is not what we're supposed to do. So that was just basically somebody that's on the outsider that's not a respectable officer. That is a that is a gang member. That is a true gang member. A true, you know, that is not what we're supposed to do as an officer, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, about defunding the police, I am for it because of me. I live in uh, North Carolina, a small community, which, you know, is poverty, uh, basically. And I want to see my community upbringing with more, you know, 
churches built, more uh, mental health facilities built, more uh, job training. Uh, we just need more in my community as a, as a whole. And we hold 80 officers, which is a $2 million budget we have. And I'm only making, you know, around $18 an hour. So where's the rest of the See money going if we got a $2 million budget? Mm-hmm. Now, That's all I'm saying. We, 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 with our vehicles, uh, we still driving Crown Vicks, and we may have a Dodge Charger or two. So where's our money going? It's not going. Right. In, it's not going in uh, new equipment we can use on the job. So where's that going? Somebody please tell me. So, and that's and that's going on all across the country. It's not like police officers are making like these ex, these crazy amounts of money. It's not like all of y'all driving Camaros and Tahoe. Right. You got the Crown Vic. The Crown Victoria that I do. With 150,000 miles on it. God damn, man. Hey, appreciate you. All right. He has has questions, too, Officer Bodie. He has questions. That's what I'm talking about. Salute to Officer Brody, man. It's such a simple concept. Divest from police budgets to invest into people. We're not talking about abolishing police or disbanding police. We're talking about defunding. That's it. They They make stupid money. 800-585-1051. 800-585-1051. Let's talk more. We're talking to funding police. What are your thoughts? It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, if you just join us, we're talking about defunding the police. And what are your thoughts? Uh, we have a couple of officers on the line. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Quincy. Hey, Quincy. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Long Island, but I'm a Brooklyn native. I'm an NYPD. Okay. Are you a police officer? Okay. okay, how long you been on the job? Years. Excuse me? How long you been on the job? Over 16 years. Wow. Now okay, talk to so us about the front of the police. What, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, I grew up in Canarsie and Brownsville. So in growing up in those areas and working in those areas, the first thing I agree with Envy, I don't know if it's Envy or Salome, but you had stated about defunding NYPD. Mm-hmm. We're underpaid. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so that's yes. a mistake. We're struggling. We're the most underpaid that. police department, and we mm-hmm. work the hardest. Second, mm-hmm. and with a six billion dollar budget. Exactly, and and we we're not getting the money. So please right. <laughs> don't mistake that. Now, what they need to do is dismantle the NYPD. They need to start from scratch. Start all over. Working on. <laughs> they're working on old school policies and an old school way of thinking. They mm-hmm. still got that mm-hmm. mentality. It's a, it's a white boy world, period. We're going we're gonna to call it what it is, and I deal with mm, it as well. Yeah. But in, in reference to the youth, they have to be more hands-on. A mandated um, one PT or a police academy training twice a year is not going to cut it. They have right. to go into the community. You have to I work agree. with the kids. You have yeah. to work with the people. And I'm mm. not saying just three or four officers per precinct. Okay, that's falling under the community affairs or the NCO program. It is not going to cut it. I mean, every officer. And I mean, even when they're in the academy, they need to go out. That's not nothing right. that's ever been implemented. Right. I agree with they that. A thousand percent. I've always felt like that. More, more. My mother was a police officer as well. You know, they had those programs where you knew the officer. We, know, we remember those days um, yep. on mm-hmm. a first name basis. Absolutely. It's no longer like that. And the, you got to remember, now, I have two black sons. They're 23 and 27. These are the police officers you're, you're dealing with, and most of them are from Long Island. Okay, so you're working with kids. 
Right. Let me ask you a question. You, you know, when my dad, my, when my dad was an officer, they made you uh, stay in the boroughs for a couple of uh, years, and they even gave you a, a, I think, a discount on your pension on taxes and things like that. Do they still have that now, where you have to stay in the boroughs? Do I say you, you live in Long Island? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, that's a that's a that's totally old school. That's when my mother came on as well. You know, and if you got to remember, there's a lot of um, people in the city that are not taking the exam. I spoke to a kid one day uh, a few years ago at dinner. He was a waiter. I convinced him. I was like, take the test. You're a young black kid. We need more people that look like us. Seen him a few years. He's in a plain clothes program. He was like, it was because of you. And it actually made me feel real good, despite my personal belief with the department. And I also tell people that... A lot of offices don't make a lot of money, so they rely on overtime and take a lot of overtime to to compensate for the money that's needed. So that's why a lot of offices do so much overtime because they're not getting paid that much, so they need that overtime to make sure they can take care of their family. We're you know, not you know what else, man? Yeah, sure. No, I was just going to say, you know, I agree with everything that you're saying, especially about having people from the community as police officers. But the problem I have is that the reason I, I, I believe in defunding the police so strongly is because more police officers on the street won't reduce crime, more opportunity in these communities will. When you start investing into the schools and the hospitals and job training programs and investing social services for mental health and you invest in trades, when you provide these people in the hood with more opportunities, Crime is automatically going to go down. So it makes everybody's life easier, police and citizens of the community. Yes, but but that's the overall problem for the city. We're, we're in a deficit right now. So, mm-hmm. of course, those mm-hmm. programs, for those, but I don't mind. Take the money. If you defunded certain things from us and you allocate it, because that will help our problem. The majority of our yep. problems are dealing with people with mental health. That's the, that's yep. the bulk of the day. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much for, for calling it, and be safe out there, please. Is there a moral to the story? The moral of the story is don't let Donald Trump or anyone else make you think defunding the police is a bad thing, okay? Defunding the police is literally just taking money from the police department and investing it back into the schools, hospitals, better food in the hood, social services for mental health. You heard what the young lady just said just now. Majority of their day is offices dealing with people with mental health issues. Job training programs, teach kids trades, bring back after-school programs, rec centers, you have to make an investment into your community. And it's not going in these police officers' pockets anyway, so what's the problem? Who's getting this money? $6 billion right. for the NYPD? Come on, and man. Clearly, you can say you can see what's been happening isn't working, and that's why these protests yes. are happening, and that's why there's police brutality at protests against police brutality. Yeah, which yes, makes no sense. The whole point of systemic racism is to marginalize black people. That's why people are against the funding of the police, because how dare they take money and actually fund the hood with it? You can't fund you, n****. I didn't mean to say the N-word. Can't fund you, black folks. I'm just speaking like how the white man would speak when they talking about y'all. Okay. Talking about us. All right. All right. Now, we got rumors on the way, Yee. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about black LGBTQ rights. And Billy Porter is speaking up for the black LGBTQ community and calling out Black Lives Matter movement for not being more inclusive of them. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Nah, 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 nah. 
Well, Billy Porter has been critical of people in the black community who have not prioritized the well-being of those who are not straight and cisgender as well. Here's what he had to say. As a black queer man in America, my basic human rights have been up for legislation every single day from all sides. And by that, I mean that the black community's relationship with the LGBTQ plus community is appalling and eerily similar to that of white supremacists versus black folk. You cannot expect our demands of equality to be met with any real legislative policy and change when y'all turn around and inflict the same kind of hate and oppression on us. I know you guys probably saw this video of Ayanna Dior. She's a black trans woman in Minneapolis, and they were beating her. She had to actually go hide behind the counter in the store and then get mm-hmm. uh, taken into the back so they wouldn't beat her up for being a trans, a black trans woman. And so um, he was discussing that as well. Here's the thing, uh, Billy Porter. Um, I, I got to disagree. Black people do not treat gay people like white supremacists treat black people. White supremacists treat gay people like white supremacists treat everybody. Like all of the rights that the LGBT community have, have fought for, are, are fighting for. Y'all weren't fighting the black community for that. That was happening in courtrooms. You fighting civil rights in Congress, marriage equality. That was a government issue. The same government that black people fight on a daily basis. White supremacy is 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 is, is a, a, a threat to all of us, okay? Same-sex marriage, you know, uh, gays serving in the military, uh, uh, gays fighting to have better discrimination laws, you know, in the states that they live in. Like, that fight wasn't against black people. That was against the same old white man that's oppressing all of us. So don't don't say that, you know, black people treat you like white supremacists. That's a stretch. Can we be more tolerant of gay people in our community? Absolutely. But to compare black people to white supremacists? No. No way. I mean, that's a difficult comparison, but I do agree that people do have to be more inclusive when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community. And I still do see a lot of hatred toward them. So I think that's the message I agree. as opposed but the, but, to white but supremacy. To, but, to, but to compare us to white supremacists, like we, black people don't have no system that we control that marginalizes people, that keeps people from, you know, being married if they want to, that keeps gay people out of the military. Like that, that's not us. Right. Like don't compare don't compare the black community to white supremacists, Billy. Jesus Christ. That's a reach. All right. Now Evelyn Lazada has defended her ex fiance, Carl Crawford. She has a son with him, you know, and she spoke out because people were saying that she too was a victim of domestic violence during the time that she was with him. And she got very emotional discussing co parenting, but she also wanted to clear up that he did not ever attack her. I refuse to sit here and allow the world or anybody to change my story and my truth. By no means am I trying to discredit anyone else's story. I'm just talking about my personal experience because I was engaged to be married to this man. I was with him for four years. And and for any blogger or reporter to switch up the story as to why we broke up, I think is disgusting. Yeah, she just stated she she's never been attacked by him, and she's never seen that that person that the the news has been reporting. That's her baby daddy. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. She's never. She said he's never been violent. He's mm-hmm. never been threatening. They have a positive relationship, and they do have a son together. So she wants to make sure. And she said she hates that she has to address this right now, but she doesn't want people to say that that was her story also, because it's not. Right. That was, right. wasn't her experience. All right, Rihanna, Billie Eilish, and Ariana Grande have joined musicians who are 
petitioning. They're calling for the New York police reform. And in particular, one of the laws that they want to reform is the New York State Civil Rights Law 50A. And that law, and you guys might have been hearing a lot about this, keeps police personnel files confidential. So if there's any misconduct, anything like that, they are confidential and not subject to inspection or review unless, you know, the court says that they need to go ahead and and release that by a lawful court order. So what they want to do, and I agree with this, people should be able to see if an officer has been disciplined multiple times. Those records should be available for the public because I think that will be really helpful uh, in police officers knowing that their bad behavior will be on display. Or even complaints. Like, you know, we, you know, you and I had a a, a problem with the same officer at different times. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I didn't make a complaint because I just didn't. I didn't feel like he would do anything. And I'll be honest with you. And you did. I went straight to the civilian complaint complaint review Mm -hmm. board. And you go online, you file a complaint. But then after that, you have to still go in and you have to do some type of mediation. Which is difficult. I did all of that. But I'm like, what happens after that? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Even if, and the woman who did our mediation did side with me and feel that he was being overly aggressive, even in that hearing that we had together. But then what happens? No, you know, yeah, and I right. want what that to be that? on display. Yeah, I mean, I, what, what job doesn't have that, though? Even if you end up getting fired, they, they will go to your HR record quick. Yeah, a record of this, 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 this. He had a complaint about this, this, and this. It should be the same for the police. I agree. And it should happen before you get fired. It should be on display so that you know if you've done X amount of things. I don't want to see police officers that had 70 cases of being overly aggressive and whatever it is that they did and all these complaints against them, and then they're still on the police force. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, shout to Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else of People's Choice mixes up next. Get your request in. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. From the King's Run, we're kicking it with Sean Jenkins and Sharon Musali. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Um, Thank you for joining us. So, So explain to the people what The King's Run is. The King's Run is a community organization, and the overall initiative is to change the narrative and imagery of how black men and brown men in this country are being portrayed. Overall, is to fight systemic racism, systemic injustice against us, uh, be a, a continuum of a call of action. We went from anywhere from peaceful protest to being constantly involved in the social narrative of political discourse. Uh, we've had four initiatives so far. Uh, first initiative with the initiative of the King's Run was an immediate response to a Maude Aubrey case in a situation where we did a, a simple 2.3 miles. The point of reference that in Two days turned around 100 runners. In that moment, those 100 runners did a, uh, a video monologue about how racism impacts them. And that's just a brief topic there. Then we moved into our legacy project, which is a dear and uh, heartfelt project to me because of a father of two amazing daughters. And it's basically about you, uh, helping children voice their opinions about fighting against racism. And we had like five phrases that were pretty poignant, punchy, that made sure we got the attention of the entire world. Uh, we went from anywhere from 24,000 to upwards of like 27,000 impressions in 24 hours. Uh, we've had reached anywhere from United States all the way to India. That includes Russia, Ireland. We've had people uh, submitting posts. If you check out the Legacy, pra- um, Legacy Project hashtag, it is sitting right there. You can see all of the imprints of the people involved. Uh, we are being active in the Pride Initiative, you know, the gay and trans community definitely face the same issues that black and brown community face. So we actually want to be a, a voice, share, and help them 
uh, pushed forward through this initiative. Uh, but the project is most poignant right now is how we use our allies and their privilege to help us change the narrative here. Um, we're completely aware, no matter how vocal we are, no matter how violent or aggressive or assertive, if our allies are not at the conversation or our allies are not participating in the narrative, we can have no change. So the, the next campaign will be how do you use your privilege? And that's probably our most poignant campaign that we're going to land with. I'm going to let my co-founder lead into some of the more uh, detailed matrix. Yeah, I mean, obviously I represent the allies, right? And so in thinking about how one brings in these other communities, you know, me as a woman, shared experiences, obviously, um, as black men in some similar ways. I even talked about Armand Arbery, you know, the idea of running and how women feel predatory behavior against them as running, drawing these two lines, making it really important to sort of get that out there as well. And so really it's just enfranchising other communities similar to my own to get involved because without it, I think we're not going to make change and without sort of repeated efforts over a long period of time, it's not going to happen. Well, Sean, uh, the King's Run, uh, the, the, the motto is that y'all are committed to changing the false narrative around black men in America. Why do you think there's a false narrative to begin with? Oh, I mean, it's the easy one. We can use media, and, I, and I'm not trying to loop you guys into that. And, it's it's fine. Be gone, please. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's easier. It's so easier that media uses the, the false narratives, right? We, there's always a highlight of a young man with his pants down behind his, his butt, right? That's the easiest social stigma they use. But they never show the gentlemen who have their pants up. They never show us with suits on. They never show us actually having a, a conversation as a pure higher elevation. Every single soundbite they receive is always a gentleman or a woman who doesn't have the highest degree of education. So they're able to spin it in a way that makes us perceive as we lack the education and the bandwidth to actually have these conversations. So challenging that. So always imagery that we're using. Imagery is super important. Now that we can't go out because of COVID, the constant imagery, right? It's a, it's a social protest. Providing images that people have never seen on the internet, super important. Images of positive black men, images of positive fatherhood, images of positive leadership roles versus the easy play of going in negative. Because, you know, negative sells. Negative sells sound bites. Negative sells impressions. Negative is easy to sell. Positivity doesn't sell. You know, you, you, in describing the organization, y'all made it clear that you aren't different. Why is it important to highlight that you aren't different? Because we just use who we are. Like, so many people are armchair quarterbacks, armchair socialists, or social activists, right? They, they're quick to be reactive and saying, you should have done this, you should have done that. But we actually just use our voice. We stood up, we used our community, we used our social networks, and we said, hey, I want to be active in this conversation. I need to be active in this conversation. You... Me, the woman down the block, they can do exactly what we're doing. We're not politicians. We're not stars. We're not sports celebrities. We're just the normal citizens of the United States who are concerned and want to use our voice and our platform so that we don't consider ourselves any different. On my day-to-day, -day, I don't consider myself different. I just happen to have the, the bravery to push forward, the bravery to jump off the bridge. How can people who want to donate and, and, and support, how can they support you guys? Gotcha. Yeah, so I mean, obviously find us out there on the internet and social media, king-run.com. All the information is there. We're linking right now for donations to Color of Change for the moment, the time being. We will start doing things for the organization itself. And then at the King's Run on Instagram, obviously you can see all of our movement there as well. I would start there, contact us, give us your email, and we're rolling from there. It's been really an amazing tool for us um, in developing this community. Sharon, I knew you was going to answer the money question. 
Yeah, you need a yin and yang when you have two founders, right? Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for joining us, man. Absolutely. Good talking to y'all. Thank you. Peace. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now we got a shout out to Jalen and Jacoby for joining us this morning. Of course, from ESPN. Yeah, man, appreciate those brothers because they give you a sense of normalcy every day. Like during this whole quarantine, turning on ESPN, even if they ain't talking about nothing or finding a whole bunch of different ways to talk about <laughs> about stuff we don't care about, I still appreciate them just being on TV, man. So salute them. And I appreciate the 30 for 30s they've been doing. Obviously, we love the one on Michael Jordan, but there's a lot of other programming. They just did Lance Armstrong. They did mm-hmm. Bruce Lee. They have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa coming up. So it's pretty interesting. All right. All right. Well, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Yes, man. This positive note is coming from Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I love Eckhart Tolle. Uh, she, he writes a lot of great books. And uh, this book is called A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. And this is a quote from Eckhart Tolle. Life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you're having at the moment. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?